chapter 1. And, but I also want you to grab Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35. We're going to go to Obadiah first. And then we'll hop over to Isaiah. Isaiah precedes Obadiah, okay? So if you know who Obadiah is now. Right, you know who Obadiah is now, right? Okay, so just go back a little bit towards the front of the Bible, you'll find Isaiah. Okay, Isaiah 117, and then, I, then I'm sorry, Obadiah 117, and then Isaiah 35, and we'll read verses 8 through 10. Amen? Everybody have Obadiah 117? All right, let's join together reading. Ready, read. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Amen? There shall be deliverance, holiness, and possession of your possessions. Now let's look over at Isaiah 35, please. Isaiah 35, and we'll look right at verse 8 through verse 10. Okay, that's verse 8, 9, and 10. You got it? Okay, let's read together. Ready, read. A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Tonight I want to talk from, uh, use of verse 8 and joining that with Isaiah chapter, uh, with Obadiah 1. I want to talk about the highway of holiness, the highway of holiness. Can you say that with me? The highway of holiness. Say it again, the highway of holiness. Hallelujah. Father, thank you so much for tonight for giving us opportunity to spend this time in your word. I pray for your anointing upon me and these lips of clay and your anointing upon your people and every ear, every eye, every heart. That, God, that we can hear and see and receive the word of God. And I pray that, God, every hindrance that the enemy would try to bring against the word will be stopped right now. We bind every demonic spirit. We bind seducing spirits. We, we even, Lord, come against doctors of demons that would try to unteach the word of God as it falls into the good ground that you've given us here tonight. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, in this place, your word will flow freely, be glorified among your people. That, God, that your word will have free course in this place. And that, God, it would do what you sent it to do, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. All right, very quickly, I want to remind you of something we began talking about at the beginning of this year. You know, this is the year of restoration. And I began to tell you about, uh, we looked at Acts chapter 3 and verse 21, how it talks about how, uh, you know, times are refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Then it said, in times uh, of rest restoration of all things, Jesus will be received. He is in heaven until the times of restoration of all things. So God is, is after restoration. Can you say amen? amen? Now, I gave you this word, that word restoration from the Greek, and I, we're going to try to pronounce that tonight. Apokos, okay. Well, you know what it says. You, you can read it. You can read. And that word, restoration, I want you to see I'm, I'm more important, I'm, I'm more, more concerned with what it means than how you say it. And it means restoration of a true theocracy. In other words, a God-run system. 
And then it says, of the perfect state before the fall. Everybody say, before the fall. So before the fall, there was a perfect state. And the Bible says here in Acts 3.21 that God wants to bring about the restoration of all things. So Christ won't come until things have been restored. Right? Now, as the body of Christ, he's bringing us into the full measure of the statue of Christ, into the perfect man. Right? Ephesians uh, uh, 4 talks about that. Right? Just say amen. Amen. (laughs) Like, we don't know, Pastor. Yes, it's there. Okay, when it talks about the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, starting in Acts and Ephesians 4.11, keeps going. The whole reason why God has that is to get us to a perfect man, to get us to a mature man, to get us back to this state we were in before the fall. Hallelujah. In fact, one word, when you see the equipping of the saints, um, it talks, there's, there's a Greek word in there, katartizo, which, which literally means to make us what we ought to be. How many of y'all will admit that when you came to the Lord, you, you realized you were not what you ought to be? But God says, I give you these people in the body of Christ, the gifts in the body of Christ, to help us become what we ought to be. So God's working on us. Right? He's working in us, both to will and to do for his, his good pleasure, Philippians chapter 1, right? And then we're working out our own salvation, verse 13, with fear and trembling, right? That's verse 12. Verse 13, he works in us both to willing to do of his good pleasure, okay? Now, um, so before the fall, if you look at Genesis 1, you don't have to turn over there because I'm not going to read a particular verse in Genesis 1. But you remember the days of creation, six days, God created everything, right? And you remember at the end of every day, the Bible said, and, and God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. And then you read verse 31 of Genesis chapter 1, and the Bible says, and it was very good. So by the time God finished with man, he said, it's very good. So that that word good intrigued me. Um, It's it's the Hebrew word tov. It's spelled T-O-B, but we pronounce it tov like with a V. And in the King James Version, you'll see that word translated this way. uh, Good, better, well. So this is, and God saw that it was good. This is before the fall how things were. Good and better and well. Goodness, goodly, best. Before the fall, it was the best. Merry, merry, M-E-R-R-Y, like Merry Christmas, like a merry heart does good like medicine. God wants you to be merry. God didn't want us sad and depressed and moping and you know, somber and sullen, sullen and all that kind of stuff. No, he wants us to be happy. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. I mean, we ought to have joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, I have joy in the Holy Ghost. That means we ought to be smiling all the time. Hallelujah. Bad news can come, but it's still smiling all the time. Amen. So this is how it was. Mary, it, it also includes the word fair. It includes the word prosperity. It includes the word precious. It includes the word wealth. It includes the word beautiful. So God saw that it was beautiful. So in everything in the Garden of Eden before the fall was beautiful to God. And when God made man in Genesis 31, he said, and it was very good or very beautiful. Hallelujah. So when God put us here before the fall, everything was very beautiful. Now, remember in Genesis chapter 2, when God made a man, or when, when it describes, rather, how God made man, but then it goes to Genesis 2, and it talks about how uh, God gave him command that he can eat of every tree of the garden except for one. Which one was that? 
the tree of the knowledge, not the tree of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's very important that we, we denote that difference. Not the tree of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The reason was because God did not want man to know good and evil. He wanted man to only know good. He wanted man to only know beautiful and prosperity and wealth and goodness and to be merry. Hallelujah. Can you imagine how, how uh, Adam and Eve, when they got into sin, how they lost all their merriment? They were all in love and, ooh, Adam, you're the most handsome man in the world. Girl, you're the finest girl I ever seen. Now it's just the two of them at first, you know. But when all of a sudden sin comes in, the fall, and now he hates how she snores. They've lost their merriment. So why? Because they've eaten of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So now rather than knowing only good, they also will come to know or be intimate with, be acquainted with evil. Now, that word evil comes from a Hebrew word, ra, ra, all right, which, listen to that, that word, or see that word, R-A-H, here, here are the words that are translated from that word, wickedness. Listen, listen to how, and just think about the state of the world, wickedness, mischief, hurt. This is what they would know now, hurt, bad, trouble, sore, affliction. Ill, y'all know what it means to be ill. Adversity. In other words, before the fall, there was no adversity. There was nothing working against you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Adversity, ill-favored. Thank you, Lord. Harm, grievous, sad. Sadness was not around before the fall. See, all this came because of the fall, because man disobeyed God and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hallelujah. And because of that, man lost that higher state. And now, now man knows evil. But remember now what we read to you, that word restoration from Acts 3.21. It is of the perfect state before the fall. So the times of restoration, God wants to restore you and me, our lives, to the perfect state before the fall. Glory to God. To that, that good, that better, that well, that goodness, that goodly, that best, that marriage, to be fair, prosperity, precious, Wealth, beautiful. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What happens, now remember the Bible talks about this. I don't have time to go all over, the, over there, but 1 Corinthians 5, Paul talks, uh, yeah, Paul talks about, uh, calls Jesus uh, the last Adam. Right? Jesus the last Adam. So the, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last man, Adam, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. He became a what? He became a what? What kind of life do you think he came to give? <laughs> the life before the fall. 
Remember in John 10, 10, y'all know this, John 10, 10, uh, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've heard that you might have what? And how? Have it more what? Amplify says I can't, that you might have and enjoy life and have it to the full in abundance till overflows. See? So that's the life he came to give us. Thank you, Lord. He's a life-giving spirit. Thank you, Lord. What kind of life? The life before the fall. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Restoration. Somebody say restoration. Now, remember, I'm telling you, God told me this is a year of restoration. So what, what we're talking about, God is bringing about. And, and the reason why I have to preach it is to get you to, to expect what God is trying to release. Because if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now, if you don't believe, it's not possible for you. If you don't believe, you're going to be stuck in raw as opposed to walking in tove. I had enough raw. I was born into raw. I want to live in the, in the tove. Somebody say, I want to live in the tove, Lord. I live in the tove. Hallelujah. He's a tove, tove God. He's a tove, tove Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And God wants you and me, his children, to experience the tove life. He doesn't want us walking around here sad. Hallelujah. Sick all the time. That's not, that's not, no, we're not supposed to know that stuff. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, Pastor, what do I do? I, you know, we're in this world. Yeah, but we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Hallelujah. And we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Amen? Now, um, in 1 John 3, 8, the Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Right? This purpose of the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 4, 9, the Bible says God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. That we might live through him. So if we're going to live through him, how are we going to live? What? Is that good life? See, it's the life before the fall. Y'all got it here? Now, again, John 10, 10 says that, and put an amplifier for me, please, make sure everybody can see it, because I want you all to see these words, these specific words that the amplifier gives from, from the Greek here. It says, the thief comes only to steal, in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have and what? Enjoy, enjoy life. Y'all have seen this before, right? Yes. But don't ever get tired of this. Have and enjoy life and have it, how? In abundance, that's life in abundance, to the full till it overflows. So Jesus says, that's my purpose for coming. That's my end goal for coming. Hallelujah. Now he came, he lived, he died, he opened blind eyes, he unstopped deaf ears, he, he loosed uh, uh, tied tongues and so forth, he cast out devils. But the ultimate goal, the ultimate reason why he came was for us to have this life and have it more abundantly. He came to save sinners. Doesn't your Bible say that? That he came to save sinners? <laughs> he came. How many of y'all used to be a sinner? You remember? How many of y'all remember when you used to be a sinner? Put your hand up real high. I remember. I remember. I was a sinner. I was a sinner. Because we were all born in sin. We were all shaped in iniquity. So we were all sinners. Now, some of y'all got born again when you were three, four, five years old. You hardly remember your life as a, 
you know, my, my kids, most of them got, they got born again before they were 10 years old, some of them, you know, but, you know, so they don't remember much. It was all on the playground and, you know, and stuff like that, and they, they never had a chance to get out there and get, you know, get out there. Hallelujah. But they were still sinners. <laughs> so he came to save sinners. Now remember, though, but the ultimate goal is to get us to a life that we have and enjoy in abundance to the full, to the overflows. So we start out, y'all cameras, y'all camera guys, y'all good? We start out as sinners. Fallen man. We were born as fallen man. But he's trying to get us back to that state before the fall. I'm going to say what Chris just said. From raw to tove. Now, you don't just go from raw to tove. There's a, diff a distance. There's a process to get from raw to tove. Now, positionally, the moment you get born again, you have switched from raw to tove. But experientially, it takes you some time to move from raw to tove, from evil to good. Remember that good included best. So there's a journey to get you there. And what I want to show you that we've been looking at something powerful in Obadiah. The more time I spend in this, the more, the more illumination I get from this here. In Obadiah chapter 1, we've been looking at that, right? Yes. Chapter 1, verse 17. I don't have time to go over the history of Obadiah. You know it already. But Obadiah 1, verse 17 says, but on Mount Zion, there shall be what? Deliverance. Deliverance and there shall be what else? The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions so there shall be deliverance we've been talking we've talked about deliverance here about two or three weeks ago right in deliverance we, we I'll give you one more one scripture psalm 18 verse 19 which says he also brought me out into a broad place he delivered me because what he delighted, he delighted in me so god brought me out I heard somebody say he brought me out, he brought me out. come on ho hollow that out he brought me out he brought me out but notice, I want you to notice here that he brought me out into a broad place. So if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, you'll get it later on. That deliverance always has a destination. You better, you better, you better get that. True deliverance has a destination. True deliverance has a destination. In other words, when God delivers you out of something, he doesn't bring you out and then let you just kind of, you know, fare along by, by yourself. and think. No, he, he brings you out, but he's taking you somewhere. And he doesn't consider you delivered until you get there. Ah, oh, y'all done missed that. Y'all missed that. He doesn't consider you delivered until you get to where he was sending you. Okay, if you ever order off Amazon, any of you order off Amazon, Walmart.com, Sears uh, catalog back in the day? Some of y'all used to order the s &H green stamps. How many of y'all s &H green stamps? Boy, I grew up on that, s, &H green, stamps. s green stamps. Christmas time, boy. 
You're going to get an SNH Green Stamps Christmas. Praise the Lord. How many of y'all remember that? Y'all go, you, go, you used to go to Publix, right? Publix, and when you bought your groceries, they hand you some of those, these little stamps, you know, depending on how much groceries, how much you spent, hand you the stamps, and he had a book, and you take them stamps, and you put the stamps in the book, because you, it's like a loyalty program, and the more stamps you got, the more points you had, and you could go shopping in the SH Green Stamps little catalog, and, and exchange your green stamps for, for a little truck. For iron, a new iron. I got, got a few old school people in here tonight. But whenever you order a product, the product, they pull it off the shelf. The, the, the product has been delivered from the warehouse. But the delivery has not been fulfilled until it arrives at your house. Well, just because it's been delivered from the shelf doesn't mean it's been delivered. It's not fulfilled. The fulfillment process requires that it arrive at its predetermined location. So when God delivers you out, he didn't deliver you out and not tell you to go ahead and just kind of do the best you can while you're out here in the world till Jesus comes. No, he said, I brought you out to bring you in. So the whole reason why God saved you is because he had a plan for your life. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Oh, my God. So God um, put up Romans 8. And uh, let's see, um, 20, 29, Romans 8, I think it's 29, Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, whom he foreknew, he also put, a, put an address on him. He predetermined your destiny. That's why it's so important to be obedient. Whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the last Adam. Who never fell. That he might be the firstborn, Jesus might be the firstborn, among many brethren. Now keep going, verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. That's why you got saved. Because he called your name. Some of us he had to call more than once. He just kept on calling. He kept on calling. Until, until he got through to us. And when we finally answered the phone, hello. Most of us it was like, hello. I need you, Jesus. That's why I've been, I've been calling for the last 10 years. You've just been running for the last 10 years. If you had answered my phone call the last 10 years ago, it wouldn't have been like this, but you finally answered the call. So who he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. 
Now do me a favor and switch to the Amplified Classic. If I remember correctly, Amplified Classic says something so powerful about this verse here. Watch this. Oh my goodness. For those whom he foreknew, he, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning, foreordaining them to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30, and those whom he thus foreordained, he also what? Called. And those whom he called, he also did what? Justified, acquitted, made what? Righteous, putting them into what? Right standing. Y'all see that? We talked about that. That's what happens when you get saved. But he didn't want you to just get saved. Because positionally, it says, and those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. That means that positionally in God's eyes, you are already, you've already arrived. You are already, you watch this, you are already your best self. Yeah. Everybody writing books and preaching messages about how to become your best self. You know how you become your best self? Is you obey God. It ain't about how you change your hairdo and change your wardrobe. And if you go back to school, your best way to become your best self is if you start obeying God. And whatever he says to you, you do it. You be willing and obedient. He'll, he'll make you manifest. That's their word. Your best self. Because in his eyes, he's already raised you up to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What you ought to do is just obey God. <laughs> your decisions determine your destiny. Oh, Jesus. True deliverance. Okay, let me keep going. Let me keep going. Let me keep going. True deliverance has a destination. I didn't mean to get caught up on all that. Deuteronomy 6.23 says this. He brought us out from there that he might bring us in. He brought us out that he might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. So there was now <laughs> um, there was a land that was already promised. That's why when you read, and we'll get back there and we'll get to this eventually, Obadiah 117, the end says, and they shall possess their possessions. Oh, man, I don't, I don't want to jump, jump too far ahead, babe. But they shall possess their possessions. That means when you come into the fullness of what God has for you, you're not taking from anybody else. It's already yours. What God has for you, it is for you. It's all, it already has your name on it. Before the foundation of the world, God had already set something aside for you. You already have your part of the inheritance. Y'all got this here. So he brought us out that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore to give our fathers. So what we see is true deliverance leads us to possessing our possession. Now we'll get there. Okay? Remember that's Obadiah 117. There shall be deliverance. There shall be holiness. 
and they shall possess their possessions. So true deliverance, the end of true deliverance is that you possess your possessions. But something between deliverance and possession is so important. It's holiness. You can't get there without holiness. Somebody say holiness. Now again, look back at Obadiah 117. Obadiah 117. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Now what we're seeing here is what I want to call a precedented progression. You've heard the word unprecedented. Oh, this is unprecedented times. You know, unprecedented means that there's nothing, we've never seen anything like this. But what we see here in, in Obadiah 117 is precedented. It's a pattern. This is what I've been just getting out of this, man. This is a pattern. It, it's not only precedented, but it's also prophetic. In fact, anything you see that's precedented is prophetic. In other words, God operates with the same MO. So, so the, the way he, he's done things before is how he does them again in terms of principle. Uh, help, me, help me explain this to you. Um, God operates by order. So God has a way of doing things. So when people say, you know, God's ways are mysterious, you know, his, he works in mysterious ways, wanted to perform, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible never told us that. That's, that's not from the Bible. The Bible says that God made, made Moses know his ways. Right? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And over Psalm 103. Psalm 103 says that he made his acts known to the children of Israel. He made his ways known to Moses. He made his ways known. So God wants you to know his ways. Isaiah 55, God wants us to know his ways. Well, his ways, God has patterns of operation. See, that, that's the beautiful thing about, about operating with God versus trying to operate on luck. <laughs> operate on gambling in your life. I don't just talk, I'm not just talking about lottery and, and cars. I'm talking about gambling in your actions. Because when you gamble in your actions using luck, you can't repeat it. You, you can't duplicate it. You can't replicate it. You, you can't even teach anybody else how to do it. But when you do things based on divine principles... You can do it over and over and over and over again. So when we see something that is precedented, it also becomes prophetic. Because if it happened in the, in the past, we can predict it'll happen this way in the future. So it's precedented and it's prophetic. You got this? So when you see Obadiah chapter 1, where it says, But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. We see this as a pattern. You saw the children of Israel, which is the children of Israel is our pattern of everything. They were in Egypt. Everybody say Egypt. They were delivered out of Egypt. They walked through the wilderness and they ended at the promised land in their possession. Oh, you, you, it'll, it'll, it'll make more sense to you. It's a pattern. It's a pattern. They were in Egypt. They moved from, the, from Egypt to the wilderness. From the wilderness 
to the promised land. They went through deliverance. And I'll show you then they stepped over into holiness. And then they possessed their possessions. Okay. Exodus 3, 7 and 8. Let's get to that real quick. Exodus 3, verse 7 and 8. Hallelujah. When you get there, say hallelujah. That's three of y'all. Exodus, that's the second book of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus. Come on, saints of God. We need Bible school in the full effect. Exodus chapter 3. Glory to God. Verse 7 and 8. If you still can't find it, look on the screen. Exodus 3, verse 7 and 8. Look at what it says. And the Lord said, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of, of my people. Now that word oppression comes from the Hebrew word oni, which means affliction, poverty, and misery. Remember I taught that years ago. It means affliction, poverty, and misery. The devil brings affliction to put you into poverty. The poverty puts you in misery. That's what the word means. So uh, it, poverty is miserable. <laughs> okay? The affliction comes to impoverish you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me, let me take 30 seconds. In Judges chapter 6, when you see uh, Gideon, before, before uh, as God calls Gideon, it's because the Midianites are oppressing the, 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 the children of Israel. And the Bible says they were now greatly impoverished. They were afflicting them, and now they were greatly impoverished. This is it's the same thing. The enemy comes the, 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 to, 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 to uh, afflict you and impoverish you and make your life miserable. You know why? Because misery loves company. He's miserable. The devil's miserable. See, people have this picture of the devil going around. He, 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 he. No, the devil's miserable. He knows his time is short. He's miserable. I said he is miserable. He knows his time is short. And he wants you to be miserable too. I refuse to be miserable. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, um, let me go back to where, where did I leave off here. Exodus 3. Exodus 3. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in where? Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their who? For I know their sorrows. Why is it sorrow? They're miserable. Okay, now watch God's resolve here in verse 8. So I have come down to what? Deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land to a land, come on, flowing with what? Milk and honey. Y'all can read the rest of that when you get home. Because I'm only concerned about this first part of this here. That, go back to the beginning of that for me, please. Verse, verse uh, uh, 8. Verse 8. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression. Uh, verse 8. Verse 8, please. Verse 8. Verse 8. So I have come down to do what? So he didn't say, I've come down to take them into the land. He said, I've come down to deliver them out. See, you can't go to until you come out. See, it's a pattern, ladies and gentlemen. And many, many of God's people, or I should say people, want to get to the goods, to the yams, but aren't willing to come out. Preach past the bomb. I'm trying, I'm trying. 
you got to come out first. And if you're going to let God do it, he's going to bring you out of something. He's going to bring you out of affliction. He's going to bring you out of bondage. He's going to bring you out of Egypt. He's going to bring you out of that, of that, that prison in your life. Notice he says, I, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And then it says, and to bring them up. Out, but then up. Out of the hand, but up from the land. Now the hand implies the control. The land implies the mindset. Yo, you, you get this, you get this. You get this. That's, that's why God told Abraham, get away from, your, from your, your house, your father's house, from your land that you're in. Because the land is about a mindset. So I can bring you out of the hand, but I got to bring you up out of the land. I can take you from the enemy's control, but I got I to gotta get your mind renewed before, I, before you can go in. So what happens is, now you have, remember I was talking first about sinners, they don't want to come out. But now you and I are children of God, God brings us out, but we're trying to go from out to into. He said, ho, 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 you can't just go from out to into, you got to go out, up, and to. Because what happens is, thank you, Lord. We know so many of the children of Israel who God brought all of them out. But a lot of them didn't let God bring them up. So they start thinking about the leeks and the onions and the cucumbers and the fish and the flesh pots that were back in Egypt. They start feeding to go back to Egypt because they said, at least there we have we had free meat. We had free. We, they, they didn't realize it wasn't free. You were working for a slave. They were controlling your life, slave. Well, at least we were eating. At least we were eating. And God's people many times won't let God uh, begin to work on the mind. That, that, that's what Philippians 1.13 is all about. For God is working in you, both to willing to do for his good pleasure. He has to begin to help us to, to renew our mind, to see things differently. So he'll challenge us and he'll say, no, change that and let that go on and break away from him and break away from her and stop doing this and stop doing that because if you don't, you might be out, but you can't go in. And I don't want to just come out. I want to go into that good land, that large land that's flowing with milk and honey and has everything I need. So there must be a process that happens in the middle. That's why, let me just tell you this, please don't get offended. That's why so many of God's people are still broke. Or still struggling with sin. Or still bound by infirmity. It's because we, he brought us out of the world, but we've not gotten the world out of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, man. Tell your neighbor, God wants to bring you out. He wants to take you in too. 
but he got to bring you up first. So I have come down. I have come down. No, I'm going to throw this in. I'm going to throw this in for you. Y'all looking? Y'all looking? Y'all looking? You know God himself didn't come down. When he said, I have come down, what he's talking to Moses saying, Moses, I've come down, but you know I'm coming down in you. So God will always send you a deliverer, some man, some apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher who's going to help you get the world out of you so God can take you into what God has for you. So you got foolish Christians talking about, I don't need no preacher, no teacher, as long as I got King Jesus, that ain't the way God did it. God has already set a precedence. How he operates. The whole book of Judges. The whole book of Judges, over and over again, God raised up a man or he raised up a, a woman like Deborah. In that whole book of Judges, is, and God didn't do it himself, he always sent somebody with a word in their mouths, with an anointing on, on their heads, with a sword in their hands. Glory to God. Somebody say hallelujah. So we see this principle this progression, this, this precedented and yet prophetic progression that we see that salvation brings us out but holiness brings us up. I'm saved and I know I'm saved but God doesn't want you to stop at salvation. Salvation brings you out, but it's the holiness that brings you up so we can get to the good life. Somebody say the good life. Turn, look, put up, put up, uh, y'all can't turn to it. Put on the screen, Ephesians 2.10 Amplified. Ephesians 2.10 Amplified. Y'all know I love this scripture. I know, I, y'all know I love this scripture. Uh, I'm going to read, I want to read just the, the back portion of that. Um, Second screen, there you go. God predestined, planned beforehand, all right, the, the works for us taking paths. Watch this part. I want you to see this part. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he what? Prearranged, come on, made ready. So before the children of Israel, now, oh man. Before the first child of Israel was ever a slave. The land was already theirs. In Genesis 15, God already told Abraham, Abram, that I got a land for your people. It's some 400 some years later that Joseph and those people are down there in Egypt and they spend 400 years in, in, in slavery. So God had already had this land for them, prearranged, made, made ready for them to live before they had ever heard about it, before they knew about it, before they were ever slaves. So God already has this, what the Bible we, call, we see here, good life, prearranged, everybody say prearranged, pre and made ready for us to live. 
Now that means he has a, a place, a life. But go back one, 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 if you can go back one screen, that it says that, that, that taking paths which he prepared ahead. So not only was the place prepared, but the path has been prepared. You'll get it. You'll get it by Thursday. That's tomorrow. Y'all going to get it by tomorrow. Not only, not only is there a place, a life prepared, but there's a path prepared. Y'all, oh, man. But you, you got to catch this. With, with, that means, in other words, you don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to use your own machete to carve your own path. That's what religion teaches people. You got to work and carve your own path. And the world teaches people, you got you know, you to work hard and, and make your own way. God said, no, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He said, I am the door of the sheep. He said, if you just come in, come through me, you'll go in and out and you're going to find pasture. He said, I'm the door of the sheep, John 10. I'm the good shepherd. You ain't got to make your own way, baby. You ain't got to make your own way, my son. I am the way. Just come through me. I'm going to show you the good life. Somebody just shout Jesus. Shout it again, Jesus. One more time, shout Jesus. He's the way. He's the way. So what he did when he came, thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, let me go back to Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, you remember when they sinned, they fell. And they had eaten the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But there was still a tree in that garden that, that was called the tree of life. Now remember, God put Adam and Eve out of the garden. And then he blocked that entrance to the garden with cherubims. Now, he blocked the way to that tree, not because he didn't like them, but because he loved them. Because he didn't want them to now go eat the tree of life and now be stuck in that permanency of good and evil. But the Bible tells you and me that Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, he's now given us the right to the tree of life. Whereas we couldn't get back into that good life, now he's already made a way. He's the Lord of angel armies. He made a way for us to get back into the garden. Back into luxury. Back into pleasure. Back into delight. Back into good. Back into prosperity. Back into merriment. Back into joy. Back into gladness. Back into favor. Back into wholeness. Back into the good life. Somebody shout, he made a way. See, so he made a way. So now, I just got to walk the path. Isaiah 35. Y'all doing good? Isaiah 35. Verse 8. Here is the path. A highway shall be there and a road 
Ooh-wee. And it shall be called the highway of holiness. It has a name. That's the name of the highway. That's the name of the road. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Narrow is the way that leads to life. It's called the highway of holiness. If you want to get to this life, to, to that good life, you can't just go from out into. You have to go out and up. So you have to take the highway. Don't take the low road. Take, we go on the highway. And this highway is called the highway. Now look who's barred, who gets no sun pass on this The unclean, the unclean shall not pass over it, oh. but it shall be for others. Now, if it's, if it's not for the unclean, who are the others? The They're the clean, the holy, the ones who've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. But it shall be for others. Notice he says, whoever walks the road, although a fool shall not go astray. In other words, you don't have to be even that deep. If you just get on the right road. If you just get on the right road, you don't have to know all 66 books of the Bible back and forth. But if you just get on the right road. Lord, well, I don't know everything I need to know about. I'm not studying theology and I don't know all about all that stuff. But if I just want to be on the right road, Lord. I can't find Genesis from Job, but I, I just know, Lord, if I get on the right road. Tell your neighbor, better get on the right road. Because if you get on the right road and keep going, you're going to get there. Oh, that blessed me. I said you're going to get there. It might be some robbers trying to hit the road, but you're going to get there. Good God Almighty. It might take you longer than some others, but if you stay on the road. Don't you turn. Don't exit. Stay on the road. You're going to get to that life that God has for you. He already pre-planned it. He already pre-arranged it. He already set it up for you. It's the life he has for you. Just stay on the road. Holiness is right. It's the highway of holiness. That's what it says. It should be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, whoever walks the road, you ain't got to run. Whoever walks the road, you're going to get there. You ain't got to rush. <laughs> you ain't got to be hasty. Just, just walk it. Just walks the road. Although a fool should not go astray. Verse 9, verse 9. Watch this. No lion. The devil goes about as a roaring. No lion shall be there. He can't touch you on the highway of holiness. That's why we got to come up. Jesus 
he was talking to his disciples. This is early on, uh, just near, near, near the end before his, his, uh, his crucifixion. And he, he had been with them, and he said, listen, uh, let, let us be going. He said, because the prince of this world comes, but he has nothing in me. Which, what, what he's saying was, the devil can come around, but he can't touch me. He already proved that many times early on, first day in ministry, one of the first days in ministry, when he's out there preaching the gospel and telling them about who he is and the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, big God's anointing him to preach the gospel, all that kind of stuff. And the people got mad at what he was saying. And, and the Bible says the people grabbed him. They're going to be ready to throw him off a cliff. And they look and they can't find him. Now they got him. They can't, they pulling him. They, they pulling him. And all of a sudden, he, where is he? Because the wicked one, could, he was walking the highway of holiness. That's why he could say, no man takes my life. Uh, no man takes my life. But I lay it down because you can't take, I'm on the highway of holiness. The Bible says in Proverbs that in our pathway, there is no death. When you and I walk uprightly, walk holy, in our pathway, there is no death. The Bible even says we should not be visited with actual evil. Tell your neighbor, get on the highway, get on the highway. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go upon it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion. You know Mount Zion, right? With singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sign shall flee away. Ain't going to be no more crying. Now he's not talking about over yonder. He said, come to Mount Zion. I showed you last week, a couple weeks ago, Hebrews 12, that's the church. Okay, give me, give me uh, 8 through 10. Uh, hopefully we have the New English translation. Oh, Jesus. Do we have that? Praise God. I took a chance. A thoroughfare will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. Now, I want you to see the rest of this here. The unclean will not travel on it. It is reserved for those authorized to use it. I've been authorized to use this highway. You know, you know you, you, sometimes when you're traveling, you can get on Brother Kirkland something called the express lanes. We have an area here called a road here called the Veterans Expressway. The whole reason why you get on the expressway is because you, you, you avoid some of the other traffic and some of the other stops and you get where you want to be a lot faster without all kind of other stuff, you know. But, you know, that, that, the express lane it ain't free. Express roads aren't free. Well, Pastor, I don't have no money. Don't worry. Jesus paid it all. Tell somebody, he paid it all. He, when he died on Calvary's cross, he paid it all. When he suffered blood and died for you, he paid it all. When he let the prison in his side, he paid it all. When they crushed him with the crown of thorns, he paid it all. For you and me to get on that express lane, on that highway. He said it is reserved for those authorized to use it. Fools will not stray into it. Fools will not stray into it. Verse 9, no lions will be there. 
No ferocious wild animals will be on it. They will not be found there. Those delivered from bondage. This is what I wanted you to see. Those delivered from bondage. Now, once you're delivered, there's a road you got to travel. Those delivered from bondage. When you and I got saved, we got delivered from bondage. You remember that, don't you? We were in bondage to corruption. But now we've been delivered from bondage. Now we travel on it, that highway of holiness. Verse 10, those whom the Lord has ransomed will return that way. They will enter Zion with a happy shout. I'm going to read that again. They will return. They will enter Zion with a happy shout. Unending joy will crown them. Happiness and joy will overwhelm them. You're going to be crying glad. That's what our apostle said. You're going to, we're going to be crying glad this year. Grief and suffering will disappear. Why? Because that's knowledge of evil. How many of y'all believe God's word tonight? Okay. Let me, let, me, let me keep going. I'm, I probably won't finish, but we're going to get as far as we can. Okay. Whew. Holiness is the highway or the pathway into, God's, into the promises of God. I want you to keep that in mind. Holiness is the pathway into the promises of God. Holiness is the pathway into the promises of God. I'm going to say it again because it's so critical that we say that in 2023. Among the church, the body of Christ that has seemingly walked away from holiness. Holiness is the pathway into the promises of God. All his promises there are yes. And we say amen. Well, amen ought to be reflected in your holiness. My amen means now I'm in, in expectation. Which now my lifestyle adjusts, it matches my expectation. So I'm going to live right and walk right and talk right and treat people right. I'm going to do right. I'm going to live holy because the, it's a highway of holiness, ladies and gentlemen. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 says this, Therefore, having these promises, uh, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all what? Filthiness of the flesh and doing what? Perfecting holiness. So if you have promises, you perfect holiness. You see, y'all didn't catch it. Did, did some of y'all get that? See, if you have promises, now you perfect holiness. See, that's what I was saying. See, when you, you can't say, I believe God for these promises, but nothing changes about your lifestyle. I have promises, so now I perfect holiness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I remember one time my sister, uh, this was, this was, um, this was years ago, many, many years ago. I was still a little, little boy. Uh, my little brother and I, we were at home. My sister was living at home. And um, 
with our parents. With our parents. And um, my sister had made us a promise. I think she had a summer job, some kind of job, so she had a little money on her. And so she had promised my little brother and me, Julius, she said, if y'all clean up the whole house, <laughs> she said, I'm going to take y'all to Flourishing. Some of y'all remember Flourishing? Y'all, y'all, because you know, we, 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 you know, dapper boys, we tried to dress, you know, especially you got convention coming up. I'm gonna come over here. Anybody know about convention coming up? Pastor Caleb, you know about convention coming up. When convention coming up, you gotta, you gotta get new kicks, new zoot suit, nice, nice, uh, double breasted like you had on Sunday, bro. That you just, you just, you, you know, so she said, if y'all, y'all clean the whole house now, we weren't cleaners. We were, we're boys. You know what I mean? But, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying boys can't clean, but I'm saying we were boys. We were boys. Like, we used to, let's, we go outside and play some football. But, man, we had a promise. Come over here. I said we had a promise. And when she made us that promise, boy, we turned into clean machines. Julius and I cleaned that whole house, top to bottom, spick and span, much as we, you know, much as we. I'm sure we ain't clean like some of y'all clean. But we, boy, we, in our eyes, but we cleaned that house up some good. Why? Because we had a promise. See, when you have a promise, it changes you. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the reverence of God. Don't tell me you believe in God for something and you're not going to live holy. Oh, my, 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 my. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Oh, man. Holiness. I should have given this to you last week, week before last, but I'm going to give it to you tonight. Holiness is one mind with God or oneness with God. Holiness is one mind or oneness with God. It's, it's worth writing that down or just taking note of that. Holiness is one mind or oneness with God. It's, it's conforming to God's ways and God's thoughts. You know in Isaiah 55, 8, it talks about your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts. Is, as, verse 9, as the high, high the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Right? So when we when we come into holiness, what we're doing is we're putting ourselves in union with God, a oneness with God. You know the Bible says those that are joined to the Lord are one spirit with him. So we're one spirit with him. Yes, one spirit. But now I need to become one mind with God. Remember, your mind is in your soul. So I'm one spirit. That's done. But I need to become one mind with God, which means I have to adjust my ways to his ways. I have to adjust my thoughts to his thoughts. I have to begin to see like he sees. I begin to think like he thinks. I begin to talk like he talks. I begin to act like he acts. I begin to love like he loves. I'm going to come over here. I begin to love like he loves. I begin to forgive. Ephesians 5.1, walk in love as dear children. Right? Be imitators of God and walk in love as dear children. Right? 
So one mind or oneness with God. That's what holiness is all about. Okay, let me wrap this up here. I've got a couple minutes left here. Glory to God. Now, remember what Exodus 3, 8 said. God said, I've come down to deliver them out, to bring them up to a good and a large land. So holiness brings you up. Holiness brings you up. Between deliverance and possession, there must be holiness. We must become one with God, one mind with God. I can't handle the promises of God without conforming to his thoughts and his ways. Did you hear what I said? I, I did not say I can't receive. I said I can't handle. Oh, y'all. Okay. Um, give me, give me, I'm, I'm done with this. I'll finish this next week. Give me Ephesians 3.20. And then... And then give me, um, let me see, bring that back, Holy Spirit. Um, give, me, give me Ephesians 3.20. It'll come. It'll come. It just, you start getting flooded. <laughs> you have to ask the Holy Ghost to slow down a little bit. Now to him who is able to do, okay, the other one is 1 first, first Corinthians 2.9. That's where we're going to go there. Now to him, thank you, Holy Spirit, who is able to do what? Exceedingly, Exceedingly come on, above, above according to what? Okay, so God is able to go beyond what you ask or think. Now, there's a phrase that we hear used in Christendom, in gospel music, in preaching that I never want you to use. That God is going to blow your mind. Don't, I want, don't you ever use that. God's going to blow your mind. First of all, God is not into mind blowing. To blow your mind means you lose your, your sense. You, you lost your mind. He's not into mind blowing your mind. So that's why, that's why 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 comes into play. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He just made that. He just put it together. First Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have it entered into the heart of man. Now, that heart there is really your mind, your, 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 your soul. Okay? The things, come on, which God has what? God has what? Prepared. Remember over here? Prepared? He's got some, something prepared for you? He's got something with your name on it, Tamara? Prepare, pre-cut. That word pair means to cut. It's ready cut. It's already pre-cut for you. It's custom made everything for you. There are things God has customized for you. It's bespoke. For those who love him. Oh, love him. Do you love him? But watch this, verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Now, if he reveals through his spirit, he gives it spirit to spirit. Because your mind can't handle it. 
He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. So your mind can't handle. Thank you, Lord. God's first words when God sent Moses down there to Egypt, he didn't tell Moses to tell him, man, this gonna, the land going to have all kind of grapes and all kind of stuff. He didn't tell him all that because they, they, they were in such a downtrodden state, they couldn't take it. It, 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 it would have blown their minds. So God can't reveal everything to you. Oh, God gave me a vision. He, he's giving you a piece of the vision. You ain't even seen yet all God has for you. Because if you saw all God had for you already, it would blow your mind. And God has no interest in blowing your mind. He needs your mind intact. So you can love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So he needs your mind intact. So what has to happen? Thank you, Lord. I'm going to say this, then we can quit. He delivers us out to get us to. But when we come out, we're not ready for two. So he spends the time in the middle, in between, on the highway of holiness, to get us to be of one mind and oneness with him. So when we finally arrive, it won't blow our minds. Now, remember the, the, the story. He brought them out of Egypt. And they were going to the promised land. But he, the Bible says specifically, he took them by the way of the wilderness. He chose the, the path that they walked in. Sometimes, sometimes people think that the wilderness was, you know, they were in the wilderness because they, were, they had done evil. No, that's why they, they were stuck in the wilderness. The wilderness was the way God intended for them to go. It was a great place. My wife and I remember one time did a study on that together. That the, the wilderness was God's intended place for them to go. Because he knew that although he brought them out, he had to work out some things in them. It was a training ground. Thank you, Lord. I'll say this and we'll go home. In Egypt, they were separated from God. When you're separated from God, when you're a sinner, unsaved, he separated from God. But he brought him out. He brought you out. But he doesn't take us into. He brings us up. And in the up time, we're not separated from God. We're separated unto God. We're out there with God by ourselves. Just us and God. Us and God. Us and God. I'm learning his ways. I'm learning his thoughts. I'm learning his word. I'm learning his commandments. I'm dying to myself. I'm dying to the old way. I'm getting Egypt up out of me. Once I'm out, and now 
I come up. Now, you know the Bible says that with most of them, God was not pleased because they died in the wilderness. Not they died because he, was, he wasn't pleased. He wasn't pleased because they died. 1 Corinthians 10 talks about that, right? They, 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 he wasn't pleased because they died. They, they died along the way. He brought them out, but they didn't work with him to let him bring them up so they could go too. I'm not going to die in the wilderness. I'm not going to resist holiness. I'm not going to resist sanctification. I'm not going to resist, watch this, separation. God, whatever it takes to work this world out of me. Y'all better say something. God, whatever it takes to work this world out of me. To work the world's mindset. To, to, to work some of us the way we were, we were brought up, the way we were raised. We were indoctrinated in the world's ways. And God's got to work that out of us. And once that happens, now we're ready to go in. Stand to your feet. Um, media, put up Psalm 78. I think it's verse 54. Psalm 78, 54. I'm going to just go and finish, give you these last couple of scriptures. I won't, I won't carry this the next week. Psalm 78, 54. Remember what it says here? He brought them to his holy border, the mountain which his right hand had acquired. Remember I talked about that last week? I gave you that in another translation, didn't I? Um, the Jubilee 2000 translation. It says, and he brought them into the borders of his holiness. Into which, into this mountain which his, his right hand had acquired, had, had purchased. He cast out the Gentiles also before them and divided them a what? Inheritance by line or by survey. He mapped out a place and made the tribes of Israel dwell in their tents, dwell in the Gentiles' tents. Now, I say that to say, because we know the story. God brought them all into the, to the, across the Red Sea. Many, many of them, most of them died in the wilderness. Why? They were complaining. They were murmuring. They were in sexual immorality. They were in idolatry. They got into rebellion. It sounds like people of God, doesn't it? And they died in the wilderness. But the ones who remained, Joshua, Caleb, and, and a host of others who remained, they got to this border. And I want to read one last thing. Put up Joshua 3 and verse, I think it's verse 5. Joshua 3, verse 5. Now look, before they go in, Joshua says to the people, do what? Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. So at the border, before you can cross in and possess your possession, Got to be sanctified. That's what the wilderness process is all about. 
is to sanctify us. In the wilderness, there was no Walmart. There was no, there, there was no, no mall to go to. There was no, no you know, theaters. There was no, nothing to entertain the people. And people get so, that's so rough. That's so rough. But you don't realize that that wilderness is that place of sanctification. Of separation unto God. To prepare us to go into what God has for us. So my last word to you is this. Sanctify yourselves. Because tomorrow, the Lord is going to do some great wonders among you. There's going to be some wonders in your life that you're going to see because you have availed yourself to God and allowed God to do a work on the inside of you to prepare you to enter in to the promise of God. Hallelujah. Thank God we're saved. But sanctification is a process. Holiness is a place in God of oneness with him. God, if you say it's wrong, I say it's wrong. God, if you say this is right, then I say it's right. I won't call good evil, and I won't call evil good. No, I'm going to see things the same way God sees them. And that's what holiness is all about. God said this. He said, be holy, for I am holy. Oh, my. I had so much in here. We're going to be holy. Lift those holy hands to him. Holy hands. Clean hands your hearts Father these your people we stand before you today we stand before you we say thank you for bringing us out breaking us out of the bondage of Egypt breaking us out of the bondage of sin satanic strongholds that kept us trapped our whole lives but God one day you delivered us you brought us out we're so thankful because, God, we could not deliver ourselves. We couldn't bring ourselves out. You brought us out with your strong right hand. We, the redeemed of the Lord, we say so. We say thank you. We are the redeemed. We are the redeemed. We are the redeemed. And, Father, we thank you tonight that because you brought us out, you brought us into a place of sanctification. God, you told us in your word to be holy because you are holy. Be holy because you are holy. Be holy because you are holy. And God, we don't resist holiness. We accept holiness, Father. We accept your way of th doing things, your way of, of living, your way of thinking, your way of seeing. God, we don't resist you. Because we know that, God, what you're doing is you're working in us both to will and to do for your good pleasure.
that you haven't expected in, you're trying to get us to, God. That there's a place, there are things you have prepared for us. And God, we love you tonight. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you more than we love this flesh. We love you more than we love those habits. We love you more than we love those things. God, and there's no thing that we rather have than you, Lord. Nothing that's more valuable, more precious to us than you, Father. So God, whatever we have to walk away from, whatever we have to quit, God, whatever we have to stop doing, we will do it because, God, we want you. We want you. Only you can satisfy. Only you can satisfy our heart. Only you can satisfy our mind. Only you can satisfy us. God, so tonight, we, we thirst for you. We long for you, God. It's our, our holy passion to be like you, more and more like you every day, Lord. Make us, mold us into that image of Christ. God, if you have to break us, break us. Whatever needs to be broken, Father. Hallelujah. God, we, we even accept broken hearts and contrite spirits tonight, Father. Whatever is blocking us from becoming what you want us to be, God. We lay ourselves bare before you, Father. Search us, try us, know us, and see if there be any wicked thing in us. See if there be any iniquity in us, God. And lead us in the way that is everlasting. Lead us in that highway of holiness, oh God. Put us on that right path that you've already prepared for us to walk in. God, so we, tonight we ask you that you give us the, the help, the tender, gentle help of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, we ask you to raise the volume in our spirits. Holy Spirit, we will not resist you. We will not quench you. We will not grieve you, Holy Spirit. We want to be more and more like the Father, more and more like Jesus. So Holy Spirit, continue to work in us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And Father, we know that in these last days, there may not be, it may not be everyone who's going to walk in holiness, but God, we will. We will. We will. We're not satisfied just to be made new creatures, but God, we want to become the measure of the stature of Christ. We want to become perfect men and women before you, Father. So blameless that, that you can brag on us the way you bragged on Job. That we shun evil. We fear you, Lord. We walk blamelessly before you. God, so we ask you tonight to saturate us with your anointing, your spirit, your power, power to resist every temptation. Thank you for the grace to stand against every temptation. And we'll walk in it, Father. Oh, God, thank you so much tonight. Thank you for this highway of holiness that you've authorized us to walk on.
this great highway. God, lead us to that place you have for us. And I pray, Father, even for this corporate body. Thank you for their corporate anointing upon this house and the corporate assignment upon this house that this will be known as a holy house. We'll be known as holy people who serve you, who love you, who walk with you, Lord, who live for you, Father. And a people who begin to walk into your fullness. God, I speak blessing upon these, your people. Blessing, goodness, beautiful, prosperity, wealth, abundance, that we will know told, we will know good and not evil. All the days of our lives, we will not again be visited with any actual evil, Father. Hallelujah. No evil shall befall us, neither shall any plague come near our dwelling. That only with our eyes will we behold and see the reward of the wicked. Father, we decree this so tonight for your precious people. And I thank you tonight that God, as we live holy, you'll be able to bring us into that place that you've always wanted to bring us into. We thank you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We pray and we decree it all done. In Jesus' name we pray. Now give God your loudest amen tonight. Amen.